strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. This is Matt Salmon on the Mike Broomhead Show, in for Mike Broomhead. And uh, there's been a lot of talk lately about uh, the lawsuit that Dominion Voting Systems has uh, filed against Fox News. In fact, you hear about it on just about every uh, political, excuse me, news outlet other than Fox News. Um, they're not covering it much, but uh, it's there's been a lot of offshoots because of that. And be- because of that information, I'd like to tackle a couple of different things. Number one, I'd like to tackle uh, the idea that... Uh, Throughout the lawsuit and the discovery process where they go through depositions and request certain pieces of information, there have been a lot of text messages and emails uh, from Fox News personalities uh, to Rupert Murdoch, the the leader of Fox News, uh, and, and so on. And it's not consistent at all with uh, the kind of uh, presentations that they do on the air. Some of the things that they said back channel, and I kind of want to cover that. One of those in particular is uh, Tucker Carlson, who is probably the most listened to news personality uh, in the whole country. Not probably, he is, uh, according to the ratings. And uh, Tucker Carlson has said several things in private uh, that don't correspond at all or uh, makes sense with some of the public things that he says while he's on uh, Fox News. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Also, uh, Tucker Carlson was given an exclusive to over 41,000 hours of video footage uh, from what happened on uh, January 6th. Uh, was it a peaceful protest? Was it a riot? Was it, uh, uh, was it nice and uh, just a stroll through the park? Or was it... Uh, a little bit more than that. And I'm going to talk just a little bit about that as well. Uh, but uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy uh, gave uh, literally 41,000 hours of video footage exclusively to Tucker Carlson at Fox News. And he has aired uh Portions uh, of uh, that video footage and has tried to portray it as something that uh, it was just a peaceful protest. And I'll uh, share with you some of the comments by Republican senators uh, to that, uh, uh, you know, that kind of an analysis uh, of of the January 6th. But first, uh, I'd like to talk just a little bit about um, where Tucker Carlson is today. In fact, just recently, after airing part of that video footage, uh, he said on Monday night uh, that uh, uh, that he declared uh, that those assembled on January 6th were righteously upset because of the 2020 election and uh, that the 2020 election indeed had been compromised. He also went on to say the protesters were angry. They believed that the election they had just voted in had been unfairly conducted. And this is what Tucker said. And they were right. In retrospect, it's clear the 2020 election was a grave betrayal of American democracy. Given the facts that have since emerged about the election, no honest person can deny it. So that's what Tucker Carlson said uh, just the other night. On his news show, this is what he said in text conversations uh, right around the time of the uh, January 6th uh, 
as he now describes it, peaceful protest. Uh, in one text conversation between Carlson and an unknown staffer on January 4th, 2021, just days before the, the uh, event at the U.S. Capitol, the primetime star wrote, we are very, very close to being able to ignore Trump most nights. I truly can't wait, he added. Can't wait to be able to ignore Trump. When the unknown staffer replied that they'd been uh, that they believed that the madness would cool down by mid-February, Carlson decried Trump. This is what Carlson had to say then about President Trump. I hate him passionately. Hate him passionately, Carlson said. I blew up at former Trump official Peter Navarro today in frustration. I actually like Peter, but I can't handle much more of this. The unknown staffer replied that Trump might never leave and that it would be hard to ignore any prosecutions of Trump after after he left office. Carlson added that Trump and his lawyers have so discredited their own case. This is the one that he, he now says that uh, uh, the, ele- the election was, uh, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, that it was untoward, that it was unfair, uh, it, it was a miscarriage of justice. And yet, back then he said that Trump and his lawyers have so discredited their own case and the rest of us to some extent that it's infuriating, absolutely enrages me. Carlson went on to say, that's the last four years. We're all pretending we've got a lot to show for it because admitting what a disaster it's been is too tough to digest. But come on, there really isn't an upside to Trump. So my question is, will the real Tucker Carlson please step forward? In private conversations, he bemoans the fact that he doesn't have a lot of respect for Trump or his lawyers or the case that they brought forward. And yet then he goes on television and sells something different. Could it be that maybe some of the allegations that have been made by uh, folks across the country on both sides, whether it's CNN or MSNBC or, or Fox News, that these aren't really news people anymore that they're actually just people that are trying to buy clicks and get like me's on Facebook and sell uh, their 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 made up opinions uh, so that people will watch them and be interested in what they have to say. I think it's really sad. At one time, we had uh, people like. Uh, Peter Jennings and Tom Brokaw and and others uh, that actually came forward with unvarnished news and let us decide what to think about it instead of telling us what to think about it. I actually long for those days. I think news should be about preventing, presenting the news in an unvarnished way and letting us, the listeners, decide what we want to think about it instead of being force-fed what our opinion should be. And it really, really nauseates me when we learn that what they say privately doesn't jibe with what they say publicly. Uh, Americans have a lot of tolerance for a lot of things, but hypocrisy is one that we don't tolerate. I hope you're going to stick with me to the uh, next uh, portion of our show. And I have this question to ask you. Is city-backed prayer vigil a violation of the First Amendment? Stay with us, and we'll talk about that in the next segment on the Mike Broomhead Show. This is Matt Salmon, KTAR. 
and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Good morning, everybody. This is Matt Salmon on Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR. So the First Amendment to the Constitution guarantees freedom of religion. Does it actually guarantee freedom from religion? I think that's one of the things that the U.S. Supreme Court has had to really grapple with in the last year. So a lot of people cite the phrase a wall between uh, a separation wall between church and state. And a lot of people erroneously say that that language is actually in the Constitution of the United States. There is no such language in the Constitution of the United States. The First Amendment uh, guarantees many, many things, one of them freedom of religion, and you probably remember the reason for that. Uh, the original uh, settlers that came to the United States from Great Britain came here to flee religious persecution. Uh, they wanted to be able to worship and believe according to the dictates of their own conscience. So it's no surprise that that issue was actually the very first amendment in the Bill of Rights, the Ten Amendments to the Constitution of the United States. But the phrase, uh, the wall, the separation of church and state, the wall that creates that separation of church and state, was actually... The phraseology that was used in a letter from Thomas Jefferson to a constituent, it really is not anywhere in the Constitution. And many, many people have picked up that cause and used that as a rallying cry to say that uh, we should not be able to uh, mix uh, church and state. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not out there advocating that there should be any state religion. I don't agree with that at all. I think people have a right uh, to their beliefs. And I think that we have a responsibility as a nation to defend your right to believe or not to believe as you so uh, choose from a personal decision. Uh, and I also believe very, very strongly that our founding fathers believed that it was such an uh, important issue that they made it the very first amendment to the Constitution. But uh, does that mean that we don't have a right to uh, pray at public gatherings? If that's the case, then why does the U.S. Congress start out every congressional session every day with a prayer? Why does the state legislature start every day with a prayer? Why do we still have on our money in God we trust? Why do we say in the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God? I'll tell you why. Because the creation of our country was steeped very, very much in the belief that uh, we do have a God and that he oversees uh, the success of this nation. So that having been said, uh, you remember I brought this up on an earlier show that uh, in the summertime uh, there was a 6-3 decision by the U.S. Supreme Court uh, that a coach from Bremerton High School in Washington State who was offering prayers on the 50-yard line uh, for his football team uh, had to be reinstated, that he had a constitutional right under freedom of speech to be able to do so. And that was a 6-3 ruling. So juxtapose that with the recent ruling from the Supreme Court uh, just uh, within the last day 
that declined to hear arguments in a dispute between officials in a central Florida city who encouraged residents to attend a prayer vigil and two atheists who claimed the city's involvement violated the First Amendment. So they sued. And the decision to decline the case, which is made without comment from the high court, leaves in place a federal appeals court ruling that found at least one of the plaintiffs was within their rights to sue over the vigil. So the Supreme Court didn't actually take an opinion as to whether or not the the city violated uh, the Constitution by inviting folks to a prayer vigil. They simply refused to take a position on whether or not the two atheists actually have a right to sue. And so it puts it back to the court of original jurisdiction, and my guess is that a lawsuit will take place, and we'll see where it, uh, where it uh, happens from there. But I think it's an issue that is worth debating. Do I believe that uh, uh, my religious values should be imposed on other people in any kind of a, a government uh, way? No, absolutely not. Uh, and I would fight against that with every fiber of my being. Do I believe that people have a right to pray in public settings? I absolutely do. Uh, and I think there's a lot of hypocrisy when it comes to this actual issue. People that claim that there is a wall of separation between church and state built into the Constitution when there is no such language. This is Matt Salmon with the Mike Broomhead Show. And uh, is China something that we should be worried about? Uh, are we going to be in World War III with China at some point in time? I hope you'll stay with us because we're going to be talking about provocative questions on the rise of China and how it impacts us in these United States. So stay with us on the Mike Broomhead Show here at KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, everybody. This is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR. And the relationship between the United States of America and China are at a fever pitch. And lots of uh, concerns being raised uh, here in our country. Let's go through some of them. Uh, Recently, of course, everybody was uh, fixated on the television and the radio and reading uh, all of their news on uh, the Internet and and in the media about the uh, spy balloon. And no question about it, folks. It was not a weather balloon. If you believe that, I got some swamp land to sell you here in Arizona. It was a spy balloon. And uh, uh, our response was to shoot it down. We've also got uh, uh, folks in a recent hearing uh, at the U.S. Senate. Uh, one of our U.S. Senators, Joni Ernst, accused China of intentionally poisoning the United States with fentanyl. Uh, those that don't know, all of the components uh, that go into fentanyl are coming out of China. Virtually all of them are coming out of China and going to the cartels in Mexico, where they are then putting those components into what we know as fentanyl. And about 92% of all the illicit fentanyl that's coming into the United States is coming across the Mexican border. But make no mistake, the components for that fentanyl are coming 
out of China into the United States. So uh, Senator Joni Ernst, in a recent Senate hearing, uh, accused China of intentionally poisoning the United States. It is the number one killer uh, of uh, our young people here in this country. And then um, recently, you've seen that uh, the Department of Energy has joined with another uh, U.S. agency, the FBI, in stating that the COVID virus came from a leak in a Chinese lab in Wuhan, China. Some very, very serious, serious allegations. And then you put that with the fact that China has been building military installations in the South and East China Sea in land that doesn't belong to them, uh, islands that don't belong to them. Uh, The fact that they have been threatening uh, the democracy of Taiwan time and time and time again and lobbing missiles into the Taiwan Strait, uh, conducting military exercises uh, along in the Taiwan Strait. I, I, I think right now our relationship with China is is as tenuous and as difficult and uh, f- uh, fearsome as it's ever been in my entire lifetime. Uh, are we in a Cold War with China? Some would probably say that we are. Uh, where do we go from here? Well, I'm one of the strongest advocates in peace through strength. I believe that the United States should do everything that it can to uh, sell weapons uh, to Taiwan and bolster their national defenses so that we don't have another Ukraine-type situation. But let me give you a little bit of my background because I think it's going to be important. Uh, We will have another couple of segments today where I have uh, a guest who sits on the U.S. uh, House Intelligence Committee, uh, Congressman from Utah, uh, Chris Stewart, who will be joining us to talk about the threat of China. Uh, have a former uh, professor, a U.S. professor, uh, who uh, taught economics at Beijing University, lived there for 12 years. Uh, and so we have some very, very interesting things to talk about in the concern with China. But China does pose a serious threat uh, to our, our world democracy. Uh, and uh, we do have a responsibility to stand up and put China uh, back in their place when they need to be, which is often. But I have a unique perspective because I actually speak fluent Mandarin Chinese. As a young man, uh, when I was 19, I was called by my church to serve a mission to Taiwan. Taiwan, as you know, back in uh, the late 1940s, had a civil war. Uh, their, their leaders had a civil war with the Communist Party led by Mao Zedong, Chairman Mao. And uh, Chiang Kai-shek, who was the leader of the Guomingda Party, actually led the opposition uh, and ultimately was forced to retreat uh, to Taiwan, which at the time was called Formosa. And uh, they created uh, a new government there. In fact, in, I believe, 1992, uh, they had the first freely held election in Taiwan. And Li Denghui was the first freely elected president of that country ever. And what was China's response at that time? They started lobbying missiles in the Taiwan Strait. To his credit, Bill Clinton sent the U.S. Nimitz uh, down the strait to send a clear message of where we would be. Uh, so let me walk through my background. So in 1979, when I lived there, uh, the trade relations and diplomatic ties with Taiwan were severed. Because at that time, under Jimmy Carter, uh, America 
adopted diplomatic ties with China and recognized Taiwan as part of China in a one-child one-China policy. And from there, uh, every president since him has recognized this one China policy. It gets pretty murky. Uh, when I first went to Congress in 94, uh, the president of China was a man da- named Jiang Zemin, uh, was the mayor of Shanghai and became the president of that country. He was following in the footsteps of Deng Xiaoping. Uh, in opening up China uh, to economic prosperity and focused a lot more on uh, f- economic freedom uh, or uh, you know freedom in the in, in the marketplace than he did really on the communist principles and there was a belief back then that China was moving in a direction that was positive for the world and I think up until Xi Jinping, who is the current president of China, they were moving along a positive trajectory. At least that's what most people thought. That's what I thought. And back then, I advocated, like others did, uh, for most favored nation trading status with China and on and on. But things changed when Xi Jinping became the president of China. He, like Putin, became a dictator, declared himself eternal ruler of China and went back to the glory days of communist China. And uh, we'll have a lot more to say about this, but he has really uh, made China the threat that it is today. And we are right to be vigilant and concerned about China. And I have guests coming on in the later uh, portions of of, uh, our show today. And I hope you'll stay with us and listen to what they have to say. This is Matt Salmon on KTAR. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Good morning, everybody. This is Matt Salmon in for the Mike Broomhead Show. And uh, we have a serious teacher shortage in this state. Listen to these statistics. According to a survey by the School Personnel Administrators Association, 25% of teaching positions were left vacant as of January, and 44% of instructors that were hired didn't meet the state standards for teaching. So you heard that we have a serious shortage nationwide. We, every state is grappling right now with the shortage of teachers. Uh, my daughter, Lara, uh, my oldest uh, my oldest daughter is on the board of the Mesa uh, Unified School District and where she's doing a great job and I'm incredibly proud of her. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're grappling with it there as well. They're, they're having teachers that are quitting midway through the year. Uh, pay issues are, are, are part of it. Discipline and, or lack of being able to discipline, uh, children are, as part of it. There's a, there's a whole myriad of reasons why we have a teacher shortage right now. But one Arizona school district is reacting to the teacher shortage in a very, very strange way. And that is the Washington Elementary School District School Board. Um, Lori Roberts, who uh, does a column for the Arizona Republic, opined on this. And I have to say, I thought she did a really, really good job of uh, mentioning the dichotomy that here we are in a teacher shortage and here we are uh, dealing with discrimination by discriminating. And uh, what happened is that the uh, school district for the last 11 years has been receiving teachers and students 
student teachers and uh, uh, folks that are coming to, to learn the trade at their school district from the Arizona Christian University, which is producing a lot of school teachers. And it seems that the universities, this is according to Lori, the university's budding educators are simply too Christian now to be allowed to teach in the district's 32 schools. The push to cleanse the district, and again, this is, this is Lori's words, I don't want to plagiarize. The push to cleanse the district, Arizona Christian students, was spearheaded by Washington Elementary Board member Tamelia Valenzuela, who noted that the university, excuse me, the university's mission to influence, engage, and transform the culture with truth by promoting the biblically informed values that are foundational to Western civilization. Now, Valenzuela, who was uh, elected in November and describes herself on the district's website as a bilingual, disabled, neurodivergent, queer, black Latina, noted that three of the five school board members are LGBTQ. And uh, she is uh, taking it upon herself to make sure that they have no risk of offending uh, anybody who is uh, LGBTQ in the school district by hiring or bringing anybody on board uh, from the Arizona Christian University. Uh, And it's further noted in Lori's column that next on the chopping block uh, for this school district will probably uh, be Grand Canyon University because uh, they have uh, a religious basis as well uh, for their school. Now, come on, folks. Is it okay to discriminate uh, in the idea of potentially uh, protecting from discrimination. I mean, the fact that these these students went to the school, does that mean that they're basically going to do X, Y, or Z? Isn't that kind of uh, behavior something that we all tried to safeguard against? I mean, I know that we go through and we've had city ordinances and laws passed uh, to protect uh, from uh, discrimination. And I think that's right. I've always had a problem with the idea of quotas or set-asides or requiring people uh, to hire uh, folks from uh, different uh, walks of life. Uh, because, honestly, uh, I, I think that, that is, uh, that's also discrimination. When you require somebody to hire somebody, uh, excuse me, when you require an employer to hire someone simply because they're of a particular ethnic persuasion or uh, that they're born, uh, you, know, uh, you know, female or male or, or uh, of a certain sexual orientation, my, my feeling is that anybody in today's world in a, such a competitive, especially in the marketplace, is in such a competitive marketplace, you're an idiot if you don't hire the best, absolute, absolute best person for whatever job uh, you're hiring for. And as far as I'm concerned, when I'm looking at hiring somebody, I don't look at any of those things. I look at who is the best person for the job. And I would recommend to the Washington uh, School Board, Washington Elementary Board, the same thing. That maybe in light of the fact that you have a teacher shortage, just like the rest of Arizona does, you shouldn't cut off your nose to spite your face. And you shouldn't assume that simply because somebody is educated at a Christian school that they're going to behave in a certain way. 
that is discrimination. And you can't fight discrimination by discriminating. That's a big, big mistake. And I hope that uh, you're listening because ultimately we have to do what's best for the students and what's best for the for the teachers and what's best for the uh, uh, the parents. And that's my take. I'm Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead. And next up, we're going to be talking uh, about the possibility of interest rates being raised again in this country. And folks, make no mistake about it. Uh, the raising of interest rate wreaks havoc on Wall Street. And also, uh, it uh, wreaks havoc on the job market. And I want to uh, read you some quotes from some senators who, in the banking committee, uh, had some uh, pretty harsh things to say and some tough questions to ask of Jerome Powell, who's talking about hiking the interest rates in our country yet one more time. I hope you'll stick with us and listen to the next segment because anybody that works for a living or worries about uh, uh, taking a loan out to buy a house, a car, or uh, credit cards, and that includes probably most of us who aren't filthy rich on our own, um, I hope you're going to be sticking with us because it's going to impact you. Thank you. This is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR.